Father, for your word. We believe everything that it says. We believe that when it says we are the redeemed, we are the redeemed. We believe that when it says we are healed, we are healed. We believe that when it says like a seed, your word can grow within us and bear fruit. We believe that. And I thank you that that's going to happen today. That this word will be like a seed on the inside of us. And it will bear fruit in all of our lives. Amen. Amen. So my voice is a little bit hoarse today. I, we had a great family and ministry moment last night. Lisa and I led worship at the Ambassador's 30-year celebration. Ava sang with us and played piano with us, our daughter, who's 15. Uh, and our son, who's 13, Judah, for the very first time, played drums with us yesterday uh, as part of the band. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I got way too excited and uh, I sang really loud. And also at one point, don't ask questions. It was at Lisa's parents' church. I, I pretended like I was James Brown. And there was a part of a worship song when I was like, all right, everybody, a little bit softer now, a little bit softer now. And we all sang real soft. And I was like, a little bit louder now. And boy, when I did that, it got really, really loud. And I could just feel the voice go. And if you want to know how that came about, just come to next year's Ambassador's Celebration. It gets pretty wild in there. And maybe it'll happen next time I lead worship here. But we had a lot of fun. Um, and, and it was really cool just being there ministering to the Lord, first and foremost. That's what worship is. And then leading that group of people into worship with both of our kids uh, right there with us. It was like a dream come true. It was awesome. So thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Okay, so today, the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to talk about hope. Hope, if there is a cause to my life, to Lisa's life, we can sum it up with one word, and that is hope. Right? That is the word hope, the hope of Jesus. It's, it's our vision here even at Freedom. It's what we talk about all the time, home, local, global. The hope of Jesus in every family, the hope of Jesus in our city, the hope of Jesus in our world. That's the vision. It starts with hope. Hope is not just uh, this, this it, hope is not just optimism. Some people think that, oh, just you're an optimist, right? That's what hope means. That's not what hope is. Hope is a deep, deep spiritual principle. In fact, Paul says in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our faith is even directed by this force called hope. If you're wondering why in your own life you have not seen your faith in action lately. It's not just you not it's not just you deciding to not use your faith. Sometimes it's a hope issue. It's we have decided, like the world preaches, to not get our hopes up, therefore we will not be disappointed when things go wrong. That is what the world preaches. And if you want to be a part and and, and think like the world, then go ahead and don't get your hopes up. And you'll never be disappointed. But the word, the Bible, says because of Jesus, we have a living, energetic hope that we let it soar as high as it possibly can. And it gives our faith something to go after. Our hope becomes like a light at the end of the tunnel. And our faith says, that's how we get out of here. That's how we get out of this situation. That's where we're headed. And when your faith activates, watch out. Because you are not a person of little faith. 
Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the same faith that was resident in Jesus is resident inside of you. The same faith that Jesus had is resident on the inside of you. Faith isn't something you need more of or you have less of than somebody else. Faith is like a muscle. Most people, unless there's some kind of biological thing happening, have the same muscles in their body. But the difference is there are people who work them out more than others. And our muscles get stronger and they get more in tune to what we're doing with our lives. And our faith needs to be worked out like a muscle. And as we work it out, it becomes stronger and stronger and more active and more active. And we do it with, it starts with hope. It's the light at the end of the tunnel where, when it comes to faith. And then because of faith, and in Hebrews it says this, it takes those things we're hoping for and makes them substance. So it is just hope by itself. But with faith, it becomes substance. It becomes tangible. Those things you hoped for become real. That is awesome. That's the power of hope. That's the power of hope. So here in Advent, that, that word, I didn't know what it meant, honestly, until just a few years ago. I just thought it meant Christmas. But the word Advent actually means arrival. So what we are celebrating throughout the month of December, what we're celebrating through this season is the arrival of someone or something significant. That's what Advent means. And in this case, yes, we're celebrating all of that. We are celebrating the arrival of the most significant one. We are celebrating the arrival of everything that arrived here in this plane of existence with that significant person named Jesus. The four things that we are going to be focusing on during this month is hope, joy, peace, and love. And I'm so excited to talk about these four things all month. Because what would life be like without any one of those things? What would life be like without love, without hope, without joy, without peace? Would there even be anything left worth, worth doing? Would it be, even be worth it? And it's not just hope, since we're focusing on that today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Here's our first text for the day in this message. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us His extravagant mercy. For His fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience, here's the part, a living energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living, energetic hope. Do you know what energy, when something has energy, what that means is, one of the things it means is it can move, right? Without energy, it's just an inanimate object. This, this whatever, whatever example you want. But our hope is not just an inanimate thing that, that lays there. It has energy. It moves. It moves with us, and it leads us if we allow it to. Where does it move with us to? Wherever we go as believers. Wherever we are, hope moves with us because this hope is full of energy, and it is living. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6, because of Jesus, this promise that God is telling his 
children in the Old Testament applies to us as New Testament believers. And it tells us where this hope goes, which, spoiler alert, I already told you, it goes everywhere we go. But here we go. If you didn't believe me, believe the actual voice of God here. And it shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day. And Jesus is the one. This is my uh, commentary here. Jesus did that. Jesus hearkened diligently to every word. He fulfilled every word. And now, according to the New Testament, according to the word, his righteousness his completion of this applies to us as believers. So this scripture applies to you. Jesus did this. Now, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. That's talking about the kingdom of God. The nations of this earth are going in one direction. Well, guess what? The kingdom remains steady no matter what. When the nations move, the kingdom remains steady. When the nations are in decrease, the kingdom of God stays steady. When the nations are at war, the kingdom of God stays steady. These blessings shall come on you and overtake you. If you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kin, the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be the basket and the store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. In other words, everywhere you go, you are blessed. This hope follows you everywhere you go. This hope infuses the things you put your hands to. This hope infuses the children that you're raising, whether they're your biological, biological, whether they're your biological children or whether they're spiritual children. This hope infuses everything you're putting your hand to as a believer if you allow it to. This scripture the Lord says, if you listen to my voice, well, he's still speaking. And he has spoken words that were in existence before the beginning of time. And if you're a believer and you're not experiencing hope, living an energetic hope, infusing everything you put your hands to, then let's get back to the basics and hearken unto his voice. Let's get back to his word. Listen to what he's saying Go back to what he said in this book that's in every one of your hands, on your bookshelves, on your phones. If this is available to you if you are sitting in this room right now. You want to get some hope? Interjecting, living, being a part of everything you do? Let's go back to the voice of the Lord. This hope goes with us wherever we go and it leads us. What does it lead us to? Well, in Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. He also, when he taught us how to pray, finished that prayer with on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This hope will lead us into his kingdom every chance we give it in every moment. The kingdom of God does not mean heaven. The kingdom of God does not mean heaven. One day we'll all be there. No, the kingdom is here on this earth. And it's not a place we can physically go, but it is something that we can bring into every moment as believers. When the world is saying, be afraid, we as believers bring the kingdom to earth when we don't choose fear, 
we choose faith. We declare the word that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, and the fear dissipates. When we see somebody or we know somebody who's dealing with sickness, injury, how do we bring the kingdom to earth? Well, you know what hope is going to do? Hope is going to say, what if this person gets healed if I pray for them? I hope they do. And then we go pray for them. We pray with them. We bring the kingdom into that moment. I believe you'll see a miracle if you just try it. Right? Right? We have a moment. I was talking to a friend this moment, this, this morning, where a, a moment that would sometimes end in frustration and aggravation and instead bring in the word into that moment and seeing victory in relation uh, to, to how he was dealing with, with his child. And then seeing his child actually make a different decision than normal because the child went with the father and the mother to the word and found some hope. And then something different happened. The kingdom invaded that moment. And this kid says, how do I stop doing this? What does the Bible say about that? That's kind of my summary. It's awesome. Hope will lead us to the kingdom in every moment, no matter what. It goes with us wherever we are. Last week, I talked about Paul and Silas in prison just for a few moments. And I actually heard from several people this week that that was very impactful and that's something you needed to hear. So as I was prepping for this message today, I thought to myself, you know, I only kind of mentioned that moment where Paul and Silas were in prison uh, briefly. Maybe there's something more there. Maybe I should go back to that this week, hang out in that passage of Scripture for just a little while this morning. And as I read back over that story, which I've read a million times, I was also thinking through this week's message that was going to be all centered around hope. And I thought, man, this is a great example. In fact, this is exactly where we need to be today as a body. Because hope went with Paul and Silas into this prison. Of course, we'll get to this, but if you don't know this, they eventually that, that night began to sing hymns and worship the Lord and all their chains fell off. So that's, that's the story. That's the event we're about to talk about. But I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. And as I read it, I'm going to stop and and teach you a little bit and share some things that the Lord was showing me this week about Paul and Silas taking this, according to Peter, living an energetic hope with them into this prison. And I believe if you listen, and this can be something that really impacts you today because their chains fell off, yes. But we're going to approach this from a little bit of a different angle once we get to that part. So this is in the book of Acts which is about the acts of the apostles, the acts of the disciples after Jesus ascended to heaven. Uh, chapter 16, we're going to read from 20 all the way to 40, but we're going to stop here and there and talk about these passages. Here we go. Paul and Silas, they're preaching, and here's where it picks up. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, talking about Paul and Silas preaching the gospel. They shouted, uh, the, the people are shouting to the city officials. This whole place is in an uproar. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob, here's an important word, quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Okay, so that's pretty intense. And here's something we might not think about. This wasn't like a process that took a while. This was quickly. How many times in our life have we been doing something in your life? You're doing something. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden... In a moment, it's like everything changes. We've all had moments like that. We've all had moments where in a moment something happens and we think, 
I never thought I'd be here. And it happens quickly. And sometimes it happens so fast, you don't even have your thoughts together when it happens. Well, these guys are preaching. And then quickly, they are being stripped and beaten right in the middle of the streets. And not just beaten. We're going to pick back up in the scripture here. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. As if that wasn't enough, they get beaten. They get shamed, right? Stripped down and thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So not only did a bad situation happen, a bad situation got worse. They got thrown into prison. And then a worse situation got even worse. Not just prison, the deepest, darkest, most locked up part of that prison. And it happened quickly. And it happened suddenly. And honestly, we've all been there. We've all been there where things are going one way and all of a sudden they start to go a different way. And maybe you're thinking about a time right now and you're like, well, yeah, that's happened to me, but this was my own fault. That's, that's not, that doesn't matter. We're just talking about it happens. We've been there. You know, I'm thinking about this week, uh, it's Christmas and I know there's a lot of folks that have lost people and, and, and sometimes during the holidays that grief comes up a little bit more than other times because we think about all the holiday memories and uh, you know I, I've encouraged you guys now for six years since my dad died uh, to, to not consider grief and sadness as a bad thing it's really not uh, Jesus experienced sadness Jesus experienced sorrow as a believer we have a promise that sorrows will come but joy comes in the morning we have a promise that there will be mourning but it will turn into dancing Here's the promise of the believer. When you experience some sadness, when you experience uh, a, the, the sorrow part of grief, and there's a whole lot of parts of grief, it's not all sorrow. The promise is you don't get stuck there. And what I've learned personally in the past six years since my dad passed away, suddenly and quickly, it happened very fast and nobody was expecting it. One of the things I've learned, it's one of the biggest lessons of my life, that in those moments of grief, when that sorrow hits, when that sadness hits, it's actually some of the only moments I actually remember how much I loved him, right? I remember that I loved him. Even right now, I'm thinking about my dad. Man, I loved him. We had a great relationship. It was awesome. But there's moments, and, 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 and the longer you're in grief, the fewer and more far between they are, but there's moments when you just feel that overwhelming sadness and sorrow. And if you don't fight it and you just let yourself experience it, what you might realize is that also in those moments, you're remembering just how much you loved that person, just how much they were a part of your life. And as a believer, one of the next things that happens with me is I remember one of the goofy things he did and then I start laughing. Then I remember something he taught me, and I start thinking it's funny. I call somebody like Jerry. I'm like, hey, you remember that time Dad just went crazy and shut his Bible and said, why does everybody in our church look the exact same? I'm not preaching again until we get some diversity in here. This is not what the kingdom of God looks like. Not everybody should look the same. And I start laughing, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And Jerry says, I remember that. And then we start talking about all the things he did, and it becomes this great moment. Sometimes that happens a little bit more around the holidays. So I've been thinking about dad. And, you know, there was a moment a few days after he died where there was five to six hundred people, some of you, packed into this building uh, celebrating his life. And up until this moment I'm about to tell you about, it was really just full of a lot of sorrow at this point. My friend Andy 
came and sang the song Cherry Blossoms, uh, which so many of you probably know those lyrics. We've sang it here so many times. But we were all sitting down because it was a funeral. And our family was sitting right over here. My sister, who was 17 at the time, was sitting where Brandon was sitting. And Andy gets to that bridge, says, I'm not going to give in to this mortal frustration. And then he said, I'm not going to give death any standing ovation. Woof! He said that, and my 17-year-old sister stood up and put her hands straight up like this and worshipped. And then 500 other people followed, stood up, and we worshipped for the rest of that song. I'm not going to give death any standing ovation. She wasn't standing up for death that day. She stood up because life and hope infused that sorrowful situation. And all of a sudden, our mourning, our mourning turned into dancing. And our sorrow turned into joy. And there was five or six hundred other people that experienced it. And it was awesome. It was one of the greatest moments of my life in one of the worst moments of my life. Hope goes with us wherever we go. Because Peter said it is living and it is energetic and it goes with us. And it shows up sometimes when we're least expecting it. Man, that was awesome. I still get chills and I still get choked up when I think about it. It was six years ago. But I want to encourage you because we've all been through things. And here sometime, and maybe even this week, sorrow, sadness, or anything else like that might be staring at you in the face. Remember who you are. Remember that you have a hope on the inside and a Savior who is with you in that moment. And sit and experience that hope coming alive. And your sorrow becoming joy. And your mourning become dancing. That's what happened to these guys. In the depths of the deepest, darkest prison these guys could find, they started worshiping. We'll get back to our text here. It says it right here. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Side note, people should hear us. We should be loud. We should be the louder voice out there, right? The world's shouting something, and they're saying this is the way it should be. We got to talk louder sometimes. We got to worship a little bit louder. We got to learn how to use the internet a little better in some cases, and we got to write in more bold print and say this is the actual way that it should be. Don't be afraid when other people hear you because some good stuff happened to the ones that heard them as well, right? So around midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, another suddenly, another quickly. As quick as it turns around, God's going to turn stuff around even faster when there's hope involved. Quickly, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Before, it was just people getting mad and beating them. In this particular case, the actual earth started shaking. I said, y'all think y'all shook the earth? No, watch me shake the earth right now. It's a better shaking, the massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. A lot just happened, right? It's about midnight. They'd been beaten. They'd been yelled at. They'd been locked in the deepest, darkest dungeon. 
And instead of sitting there in their misery, this is what many people texted me and sent me messages about this week. Instead of sitting in that situation as victims, which they could have done, they were victims, right? And some of us may have been physically beaten in here. You might have experienced the moment when you were a victim. Some of us uh, have been victims of other things, and we always have a chance to sit and let that become our identity. But instead of letting the identity of a victim infuse their mind, who they really were, a victor in Christ, began to well up in their hearts. It turned into song. It turned into rejoicing. And when they chose to operate as victors instead of victims, the chains fell off. This is where we're going to look at this a little bit differently than maybe you've seen it in the past. If you've never read on past that, or if you've only heard somebody preach about that moment, they worshiped and the chains fell off, here's what happened next. The jailer woke up, and remember his command? They said, don't let them escape. So evidently, there was a little bit of fear involved. These aren't just normal people. There's a chance they could escape. Be careful. This guy was probably like, yeah, okay, I've seen it before. I'm going to chain him up. I got my sword. Don't worry. They're not going anywhere. Well, he fell asleep. He was so confident in himself. He woke up and he sees the prison doors wide open. He assumed they had escaped. So he drew his own sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. They worshiped and their chains fell off. They didn't go anywhere. They stayed in the prison cell. They stayed in their situation. Sometimes we say they, they worshipped and they became free. They actually didn't. That's not what happened. They didn't worship their way to freedom. They stayed in the jail. They were still prisoners by choice. Here's why the chains fell off. It was an outward expression of something that was already true on the inside. The outside of our life lines up with the inside of our life every time. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, is what the world says, what the word says. This is an outward expression of the freedom they already had on the inside. Paul and Silas did not get led into that prison and then think, uh-oh, we're prisoners. They got beaten, they got cuffed, they got put in a prison and there wasn't one thought up here that said, uh-oh, we're no longer free. Because they know and they have the hope of a Savior within them that gives us freedom no matter what it looks like on the outside. The chains fell off, but they stayed in their circumstances. Your chains are not your circumstances. Your chains are the way you see the world. Your chains are the way you see your circumstances. Do you see them as problems that you can never get out of? That, that, that you are not the kind of person that even has the faith that can get through this thing? You are if you're a believer. Because you got the same faith that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead. That's what the word says. You got the same faith that was in Peter. You got the same faith that was in John. You got the same faith that was in the Apostle Paul when he was in that prison. And when you stop seeing your circumstances... When you stop seeing the problems of this world as your own personal chains, as the things that are holding you back, because there's nothing holding you back. Take the limits off of God and off of the faith that is in you and begin to see yourself the way the word says you are. 
which is this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say that with me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's say it again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One more time. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I learned that trick from Pastor Rajan a few weeks ago. Got everybody involved. Got the blood flowing. I texted him this week. This is just, this is me being honest with you guys. I, I forgot to go deposit uh, the offering we gave him. Uh, he has an American account and him and his son flew back to India. So uh, I told him I'd make that deposit. I think it was on Friday and uh, I forgot. I just didn't make it. Well, I don't know if I forgot or if I just got extremely busy. I didn't make it to the bank. And I texted him on Friday night and I said, Pastor Rajan, I'm so sorry. I forgot to go deposit this check. I'll take it first thing Monday morning. And he texted me back and said, don't worry about it, brother. All things work for the good for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are just so blessed to be with you guys at Freedom last week. And I texted him back and I said, okay, I need you to impart your good attitude to me uh, all the way across the ocean because that guy I've known for 30 years, I've never seen him get frustrated once. I've never seen him get frazzled once. I mean, he stood here a year ago and said, I got to take my family of nine back to India. We have to take... COVID tests that have to be negative the day before our flight, then we have to go home and at our own expense, we all have to have individual hotel rooms for 11 days. We have to have a negative COVID test every day for 11 straight days, all nine of us before we can leave that hotel and go to our home. And it's all at our own expense. And my jaw hit the floor and he started laughing and he goes, and we're not even worried about it. We'll be completely fine. It's all right. I'm like, man, I need this guy's really, I need his attitude so good. Uh, side note, he just told me, uh, or, or I, I said side note, uh, update, when they went home a year ago, I didn't even get this story from them. They did go to the hotel. He said nobody ever came to check them one time. And after, after 11 days, they just got out and went home and they never even heard from uh, the government or anybody. It was like they were just being hidden, which is awesome. So they made it home. Obviously, a year ago, he's already come back. But yeah, I, I just, I said, I need your good attitude, right? Please impart that to me. So uh, he's a guy that knows that the hope of Jesus goes with him everywhere he goes, and it doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm not a prisoner because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul and Silas knew it. And the chains responded to what they knew. And your chains will also respond to what you know. You just got to know it. You got to stop doubting that you're truly free. You got to stop doubting that you don't have what it takes to get through whatever it is that's in front of you. You got to stop doubting that you'll get out of that moment of sorrow. You got to stop doubting that when the sadness hits, you'll get stuck there. You got to stop doubting that. You got to just know your promise is that he'll take you out and he'll take you to the next spot. And hope will infuse that very moment and turn it into something beautiful. It'll turn it into 500 people singing, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give death a standing ovation. I'll lift my soul to you. There's no separation is what that song says. Sometimes the faith, the hope, whatever it is, doesn't take us out of the situation. But when it infuses it, it makes everything feel different. Right. What used to cause us frustration and aggravation, right? 
we begin to experience peace. And sometimes it's a process to get out of it, right? Sometimes uh, the miracle, maybe you're looking at bills. Maybe something's happened. Maybe you've lost a job and, and you're like, man, this is Christmas and I don't have the funds I used to have, right? Hope, faith, it might not just automatically, like a miracle, fill your bank account with cash. But when hope infuses, when you look at the account, you won't be facing anxiety and fear. You'll look at that account and you'll laugh like Rajan. And you'll say, hey, Romans 8, 28 says all things work for my good and I'm not worried. The word says you'll take care of me. If you feed the sparrows, you're going to feed me and my family. If you dress the lilies, you're going to dress me and my family. And then all of a sudden as your faith activates, that moment that could be filled with anxiety and fear becomes filled with faith and hope. And then before you know it, you do begin to see the miraculous. And you begin to put your hand to something. And you begin to see it prosper. And a new job opens up. Or you finally jump in and start that business you've always thought about. And you become successful. And sometimes it's not overnight. But when hope is infusing those moments, that in the meantime is not miserable. But it's exciting. And it's filled with expectation. And it's filled with excitement. And it's filled with joy. And it's filled with peace. And the enemy is going to say, well, look, you're still in prison. You're still within these walls. But you're going to say, but these walls were never a prison. And now I know that. This situation, these circumstances were never a prison because I got the hope of a Savior on the inside of me. Because I got the love of Jesus flowing through my veins. Mm. This is why Paul was able to write from that prison, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is why he was able to write from prison. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then his peace will flood your heart. This is why from a prison, Paul was able to write. I've learned to be content in every situation, whether I have a lot or a little. Because he knew nothing on the outside dictated his freedom, his liberty. Too many times we wait for those circumstances to change. And we think, okay, then I'll rejoice. No. The circumstances changed 2,000 years ago with the arrival of the significant one that we're talking about. That's when your circumstances changed. The world has been doing the same stuff for however many years the world has been in existence. People have been in the same situations as you and even worse. This is not the worst it's ever been. This is not the worst it's ever been. Your circumstances changed 2,000 years ago when this living energetic hope was found in a baby in a manger who lived for you died for you, rose from the dead for you, and who now through the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you along with his faith, his hope, his joy, his love. Introduce your circumstances to that Savior. Introduce your circumstances. Hello, poverty. I'd like to introduce you to the one who became poor so that I might be rich. Hello, injury. Let me introduce you to the one who was broken, who healed me. Hello, virus. Let me introduce you to the one who was wounded so I could be healed. Hello, misery. Let me introduce you to the one who was filled with a living, energetic hope and now gave it to me. 
Hello, circumstances. Let me introduce you to the report of the Lord. Hello, bad doctor's report. Let me introduce you to the report of the Lord. Hello, depression. Hi, how are you? Some of us deal with that. Hello, it's not nice to see you. Let me introduce you to the one who defeated you on the cross 2,000 years ago and now has put his joy on the inside of me. Hello, anxiety. We won't be together for long today. I'd like to introduce you to the one who the angel declared peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and now his peace dwells on the inside of me. And where you would attack my mind, I now have the mind of Christ. Don't be afraid of it. You can't overcome what you don't confront. Don't act like it doesn't exist. Don't say, no, I'm happy. I'm really happy. Find somebody you love and say, hey, this old friend, he's not really a friend, but he's knocking on my door right now. I'm not going to let him in. And I would appreciate you helping me here in this moment. We're going to keep the door closed on this depression. And I'm going to say hello to joy that's on the inside. You don't have to let joy in. You don't have to open the door and say, depression, you stay out. Joy, you come in. Depression's out there. Joy's in here. You can't overcome what you don't confront. Overcome what's facing you by letting hope infuse that moment. It's energetic. It's living. It's breathing. It's with you wherever you are. And it'll lead you to the kingdom every time. That's why David didn't cower in front of Goliath. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego let them throw them into the fiery furnace. I love, 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 love their response to the king. Throw us in the fiery furnace. Our God will save us. And if he doesn't, we still won't bow down to what you're saying. That's why the thief beside Jesus on the cross went to his grave at peace. Because nailed to a cross, no way to make the wrong things he did right on his own looked at Jesus and said, please remember me. And Jesus said, I will be with you today in my kingdom. Can you imagine being nailed to a cross knowing I'm there for my own sins? I don't even have time or a way to go make them right because for the rest of my life, I'm going to be hanging on this cross. My hands are nailed. My feet are nailed. I can't get off. How can hope infuse that situation? Well, hope was right beside him, hope was with him, and hope said, today we'll be together. Hope even led that man to the kingdom, and he had no way to move. If you're moving, you're in a better situation than that guy. If you're breathing, if you have full movement of your hands and your feet, you're in a better situation. And hope is even closer to you than he was to that man, because he's on the inside of you now. He's within you. I even found hope one time working at a job that made me miserable. I was working at Brinks, and it was great for a while, but when it was time to go, it was time to go. I was there for a full year counting money every day, and uh, it was so miserable. Uh, but I had to be patient. I had to wait for the right situation. But there was moments every day where when I allowed the Lord to work, I, I, just, I remember talking to a young girl who it was... She was especially down one day. This is a bit of a, a graphic story, so warning here. I'm not going to get graphic. I'm just going to tell you 
the detail. It was the day her, it was a year anniversary of her brother killing himself. And she was depressed and she opened up and she told me this was a year ago today my brother died. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, was he a believer? And she said, yeah, he, he was actually a minister. And uh, I said, well, I mean, I, I'm not just trying to be cliche, but you'll be together again one day. You'll see him again. And she goes, well, I won't because he committed suicide. And I said, why do you think that? And she said, well, the Bible says if you do that, you go to hell. And I said, the Bible does not say that. I said, in fact, the Bible says that there is no sin that hasn't been overcome by Jesus. And you told me your brother's a believer, right? That means he had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. I said, there's so many reasons why people do that. And, and most of them involve being sick within your mind, right? I said, there's grace to cover that. She said, he didn't have time to ask for forgiveness. I said, Jesus forgave us before any of us ever asked for forgiveness. He died 2,000 years ago, fully knowing that we would all live and exist and mess up. Before we ever said, Father, forgive us, the requirement to go to heaven is to believe in Jesus. I said, I'm so sorry your brother did this. I'm so sorry he killed himself. And I know I don't understand why, and you might not either. But I'm fully confident he is with Jesus right now, and you'll see him again. She started crying. She said, for the last year, everybody I've talked to said, too bad he went to hell. Too bad you'll never see him again. She was, she was broken. She was not just broken because he was gone. She was broken because she thought, oh, this is it. Even the hope of salvation was gone for her in those moments. But walking into this place where personally I was miserable every day, moments like that happened all the time. And moments like that will happen in your life if you allow hope to activate and rise up from within you. Because hope is with you everywhere you go. So let's get back to our text and we're going to close very quickly, just like five more minutes, right? So we're getting back to our, 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 uh, our text. The chains just fell off. The jailer's about to kill himself because he thinks they're all gone. And Paul says, don't do that. We're all still here. And then the jailer calls for the lights, ran to the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. The hope isn't just for you, right? This is, I wish we could spend more time on this, but the hope that's with you is not just for you. It's for the whole world. It's for everybody you come into contact with. And there's a lot of people out there in the world that aren't going to experience it unless you bring that hope into the situation. That is why it is so important. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Just This gives a new context to them singing and worshiping. They weren't just beaten and thrown in the prison. Their wounds hadn't even been cleaned. They hadn't even washed the blood off of their faces yet. They were still probably bleeding at this time when they began to worship. But when hope entered the situation, when the chains fell off, when the jailer saw it, when he got saved, he cared for them. He cared for them, washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. In the middle of this situation, they rejoiced. Remember last week, when is the good time to rejoice? Always, now. It's always a good time to rejoice. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. Because the night before, Paul had revealed that they were Roman citizens. And you can't do what they did to Roman citizens. 
The city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. And Paul replied, well, they've publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. However, we're Roman citizens. Now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they come to the jail and apologize to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. They didn't go and get encouragement, right? Yeah. They went and encouraged other people. Can you imagine I got out of this situation where I just got treated so bad. I just need someone to tell me that I'm okay. It's like, no, they went and told everybody else, hey, guys, you're all right. Look what God did for us. He'll do the same thing for you. That's what hope does. You will never fall back into that victim mentality. You will walk to the next place as a victor every time when you allow that hope to enter. And look what happens with the world when you allow that hope to infuse the situation. The world or the enemy, whoever it is, all of a sudden realizes, I'm not messing with an average person. This is a person of authority. You have authority. And when you allow hope to infuse the situation, when you allow the Savior to do what he's going to do in that situation and it leads you to the kingdom, the Bible says in James, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what's happening here. Oh, this is a person who knows their authority. I'm out. You want to see victory, not just over the moment, but you want to see victory where the enemy says, I'm not even messing with them anymore. I'm out. Just keep resisting by allowing hope to infuse that situation. Allowing hope to lead you to the kingdom. It's alive, it's active, it's energetic. And it is within you if you are a believer. And that is good, good, good news. Isn't it? Man, it's good news. Let's say this. That's good news. That's good news. Let's say it again. You ready? That's good news. One more time. That's good news. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come up. If you're new with us, here's how we close our services. Uh, the band is going to lead us here in a chorus or maybe part of a song. We're all going to stand together and we're going to respond to this message by just doing what Paul and Silas did. We're going to worship. We're going to turn our attention and our hearts towards the Father. And whenever the band leaves us, leads us in, I just want to encourage you. Stand where you are. Worship. Put your focus on Jesus just for a few moments. And I believe that even right now, hope is going to begin to enter into situations where you have felt like your circumstances have you backed into a corner. And what once caused you anxiety and fear is going to begin to blossom with peace and joy. And you're going to see, even in your mind, going to begin to see how the Lord has his hand on you and has an answer for what's happening. And when you see it up here, you're going to eventually see it out here. Paul and Silas were free on the inside and their chains fell off on the outside. Remember this, their situation didn't actually change at all. Their circumstances did not actually change at all except for the chains fell off. Even when everything around you still looks the same, there's something on the inside that changes. And what once caused hyperventilation and intense, tense actions and, and freakouts, you're going to respond completely different. 
you're going to respond the way Jesus did and you're going to respond with peace, joy, love, and hope. Like the baby. She's so happy. She's just rejoicing. It's all right. She's agreeing with me. She's the loudest. She's the best. She's the loudest one saying amen. That's how she says amen. Let's all stand together and let's respond to the word with worship here before I come up and close and invite our prayer ministers up. I love you guys so much. What a great, great day.